Welcome back to Monday Recaps. I don't have a cool, clever name for it, so that's what my brain decided upon. just want to give a quick shout-out to Geno Smith. All he's got to do to make you a winner. We're all perennial losers at this point. No one's 4-0. If anyone tells you they're 4-0 in their fantasy league, they're lying. All right. A lot of you guys are probably 4-0. I'm not 4-0. But you can get yourself an easy dub right here. Geno Smith's got a .5, bruh, .5 yards tonight. All right? On Monday Night Football, all he's got to do is complete a pass. You got a free square. If you're not yet signed up on Underdog, go do that. Go do yourself a favor. We're running slips. They got best ball resurrection, meaning you can redraft teams right now for the rest of the year, which I'm about to go in hot and heavy towards right after this. I think I'm going to make a full video of it later this week. So go to Underdog. The link to download the app will be right in the description. Go grab this. You'll get this if you use promo code BDGE when you sign up. B-D-G-E. Promo code, $10 or more, and they'll hit you with a 100% deposit match. We'll let some of the people flood in here. How's everybody doing? Vincent, how we doing? Looking forward to the show. I'm looking forward to the show as well. It's going to be a lot of yelling. It's going to be a lot of yelling. I'm going to try to uh, sit back, relax. Y'all know we got to tuck our shirts in. Don't care where you are. You might be at work. You might be at a funeral. In which case, I'd hope you'd have your shirt tucked in already. You might be at the gym. You might be shirtless. I don't care. Tuck it in. Whew. So, as always, these Monday live streams will be game by game. We'll be going through every single game. We'll throw the box scores up on the screen so we can talk about the biggest fantasy implications going forward to make sure that you lion-ass 4-0 teams remain undefeated. How's everybody doing? I am 4-0, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they all say. Let's jump into the games. Boy. First and foremost, let's make me big. Let's make me spicy. So we had Thursday night football, and I think the biggest storyline here was the return of a lot of injured players. We had on one side of the ball, David Montgomery went pop. That man went crazy. Uh, three touchdowns on 32 carries. Apparently wasn't really injured. Kind of tried to tell you all that when he said that he needed a little bit of um, a little bit of time to heal, but he's fine. And more, more, I guess, I don't know if concerning is the right word or not, but more just like the same that we've been kind of yelling about all offseason is like Dan Campbell and the Lions continue to tell y'all, continue to tell y'all what they think about David Montgomery and what that split between him and Gibbs is going to be. They want to use Montgomery as the bruiser. I mean, 32 carries to eight. This shit ain't clear enough for you. Go get your glasses checked, people. Uh, the other big news out of this game is Jameson Williams is somehow out of nowhere just eligible to come back next week. I don't really know how that happened. He got suspended. I'm pretty sure he went through his appeal already, and then out of nowhere they're like, nah, you're good to go. Whatever. It brings a, an interesting like exciting piece to this offense. They've kind of lacked explosion. They've made big plays, but like it's more so I feel like kind of um, inconsistent or players like doing 
a lot of uh, the, the groundwork on their own. They're not necessarily throwing the ball deep too often. They have connected with some Laporta stuff and et cetera, but I think Jameson Williams adds a really, really cool piece to this team. I'm not Yeti. Uh, I'm not. I'm not ready to. Uh, I'm not Yeti ready to start him anytime soon. I think what Dan Campbell and the Lions are looking to do is make sure that he's you know like a good player first and foremost. Make sure that he fits into the offense. They got to get him up to speed. I mean, we saw him a little bit down the stretch last year, right? We saw him um, get back into game speed over the last few games in 2022, and it wasn't great, right? He did connect on one deep ball, but for the rest of the games, he was kind of just exercising out there. So, yeah, you could pick up Jameson Williams, obviously, if he's available on your waiver wire, kind of see what comes to fruition with it. Jared Goff is playing really well. He's a player I'd like to have on my team. I'm not going to blow a whole uh, ton of fab on him. Uh, he's not going to be a high-volume player. We'll put it that way as well. So if you're in a PPR league, exciting. Probably, it's, a, it's a pretty shitty waiver wire week. We do have a lot of injuries, so we will have to go through each of the injuries that were sustained throughout the games this weekend, talk about the backups, talk about how serious the injuries are because we've got a, a pretty big handful. But I don't think there was a lot of like waiver wire uh, chatter to be had based on the actual injuries that occurred this weekend. Uh, so Jameson Williams coming back like does kind of jump to the top of the list or at least like top three or four. Um, and our waiver wire rankings will be live on the membership sites uh, first thing tomorrow. I believe they go live noon Eastern time on Tuesday. Again, you can sign up to be a member. BDGE.co. BDGE.co will get you the waiver wire rankings every single week. So DeMont, um, Jameer Gibbs. So the thing with Jameer Gibbs is 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 kind of what we've been saying all along is they want to use him in a very specific role and he'll probably have his games, but he's not, you know, he's not a must sit. He's not a must start. He's not anything in between. He's just wherever you think you want to rank him going forward, you just kind of expect him to be that player. I mean, at this point, whatever, everyone drafting him is like the RB 12, 13, 14. Yeah, you whiffed. You whiffed. Okay. And that's not coming from like a higher a place of hierarchy here because I've whiffed on plenty of players, but you can just adjust your expectations saying, yeah, I took Gibbs as the RB12. He's not even fucking close to being the RB12, and he will not be because he's never going to score touchdowns. Um, so with that being said, now Gibbs is probably going to be weekly inside the top 30 running backs or so. So if you have better options available, yeah, of course you could sit Jameer Gibbs at this point. Um, Dynasty, I'm, I'm not really worried about him. I think, you know, you use the 12th overall pick on a player like, Hopefully we start using them. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not like looking to panic on guys within three weeks, uh, four weeks of a, of a dynasty roster. On the flip side, Aaron Jones and Christian Watson both made their return, but both were limited. So I'm not really taking too much away from it. Dobbs continues to be a fucking monster. He's like border. He's he's he is approaching must start territory. Um, I benched him in one of my fucking leagues. I, I, I put him in my lineup, but I was like on the subway. So that is so. Uh, the sleeper app like did not connect. It's like the only time I really look at my lineups to set them is like right after work. I'm on the subway. I'll like go onto them to check my lineups and shit. You'd think I'd do it more often because I'm sitting here talking about fantasy football all day. Like oh, I just I just be yapping sometimes. I, I very rarely like actually check my lineups to do shit. Um, and I tried to put them in. I thought I put them in, didn't put them in, and it hurt. So Dobbs is a guy that I'm I'm very excited about having. He was a guy that I was really really uh, into like. Late August, early September, drafted him a lot of best ball teams. So I think with him and Watson, we'll see uh, kind of an interesting dichotomy, I guess. We'll see if uh, Watson reclaims that alpha role. I don't think Dobbs is really built to be an alpha, but like he is playing really, 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 really well. So 
Shout out to him. Also, uh, next week starts the bye week. So let's look at some of the players that are on bye. For week five, we have the Browns, the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Bucks. And it's a good it's a good bye week for some of these players given, you know, Justin Herbert broke his finger. Pretty much we have um, Deshaun Watson resting up from his shoulder injury. Mike Evans kind of re-injured his hamstring. So luckily the bye week came at really good times for those guys. You know, bye weeks just suck all together. But just be weary of um, – of guys that you have on these teams, Browns, Chargers, Seahawks, Bucks. That's a lot of firepower for fantasy. You know, we're talking about Deshaun Watson, Jerome Ford, Amari Cooper, maybe Elijah Moore, but Herbert, Keenan Allen, um, Eckler should be back after the bye, I believe. Seahawks obviously have fucking like seven players you can throw into your lineup, Bucks with Baker and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, etc. So just keep that back of mind there. Let's move to fuck, fuck the London game. Um, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you. This is another thing with, like, Drake London. We'll keep getting, like, sit-start questions about, like, oh, does, does he have to be sat? Do we? Is there any way we could play him? I mean, he scored two touchdowns now on the year. But, again, you just kind of look at him as the wider – like, if you drafted him as a top 15 or top 17 or whatever wide receiver, he's not that, right? He, but he is, like, someone you could look at somewhere in, like, the 25 to 30 range because he'll have good games, but he won't do it consistently. So you rank him that way, and if you have – three wide receivers that are ranked inside the top 24. You know, if you have a Puka, if you have guys like Christian Kirk, if you have any elite guys, any of the, you know what I mean? Like if you have a collection of those guys, you can start them over Drake London. So don't feel like you need to keep forcing yourself. We're four weeks into the season now. We can kind of recalibrate how we feel about certain players knowing the outlook. And we, we pretty fucking clearly know that Desmond Ritter needs to retire at halftime. We need Heineke. I hate Heineke. I really, really despise Heineke. I just don't think he's good. I think he's three times as good as Desmond Ritter is. Desmond Ritter makes this team. They went from, I watched week one, week two, and I was like, we are must-watch TV to borderline unwatchable. And I think only our quarterback could have made us do that. We're, we're low-key like a good team other than him. Like our, And by low-key, I mean obviously our offense is good, but our defense is kind of good. Like it, it is hard to run against us. We have good pieces in the set, like Jesse Bates and AJ Terrell are superstars. But Desmond Ritter just cannot, he cannot lead a, he cannot, he can't lead a pack of blind people like down the road. He's fucking miserable. Johnu Smith is somehow like the wide receiver one, tight end one here. Uh, Kyle Pitts, listen, at the end of the day, he's, he's probably droppable in redraft. He, I mean, he's definitely, he, he's unstartable for sure. He's unstartable. At that This is not a hot take. Uh, you could definitely get rid of him. Johnny Smith, do I trust that Johnny Smith is going to continue to get involved? I mean, listen, at the, at this point, Arthur Smith might actually think that Johnny Smith is better than Kyle Pitts, or at least where they are in their respective careers. Kyle Pitts still gets, like, really valuable targets. It just never connects. So until Desmond Ritter is not our quarterback anymore, I have very little faith in Kyle Pitts. Um, Arthur Smith went out and signed Johnny Smith this offseason. And Arthur Smith, I, I don't know if he has any allegiance to Kyle Pitts. Like, I don't know if he has any sort of, and Kyle Pitts might just not be the player that we thought he was coming out of Florida. That's also another option there, too. Um, he's one of those guys we're going to give the benefit of the doubt for because he's so young and, prob and he's just at a position that tends to develop uh, over a long period of time. But, like, at some point, at some point, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror as a franchise and realize we took a tight end at fucking number four overall. Makes me sick. Um 
On the flip side, Christian Kirk is back to doing Christian Kirk things. So if you had him week one, you panic a little bit, you're good to go. Calvin Ridley's been kind of disappointing, man. I don't, I don't really know, I don't really know what to make of him. Uh, week one was just so dynamite, and he did beat broken coverage in this one, so he ended up scoring like that 30-yard touchdown. But other than that, he was absolutely locked up. Could be a product of AJ Terrell, but when you have a guy like Calvin Ridley that you expect to be like an alpha wide receiver one, you still should be able to break out and and, and make plays outside of you know kind of like broken broken coverage there. I will say for ETN, 20 for 55. Also caught three balls, like, on the surface, yeah, bad game, but 23 touches, man, 23 touches. I'm telling you, the Falcons' defense is just a little bit better than we're giving credit for, I think. Um, I think we're a, a very, like, stout run defense, and once we actually get a piece in place at quarterback, like, we'll be a very well-rounded team. So I wouldn't, like, overly look into Travis Etienne's struggle there. I think he's probably a buy-low candidate at this point. Um, Ingram has been really, really solid all year. So I don't know. That's it. Fucking disappointing game. Make me sick. Dolphins bills. This, uh, you know what I want to do? I, I really want to do a, a new like section of this game by game recap, uh, podcast or video that I call it the, the, the podcast theory or the podcast. Um, I guess the podcast theory there, there every, every week. Every week, there there seems to be um, like four or five really really strong narratives that tend to be present throughout the week, and like, and and if you listen to a bunch of different podcasts, like they all end up recycling the same thing and the same takes over and over again, and almost every time where there's like five strong narratives, they always end up flopping. It's like they never 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 hit. It's like one out of five ends up being a consistent piece of what actually happens in the narrative of the upcoming week for, for this week, it was Miami. They're basically uh, unstoppable, right? Like there's no way you could slow down the offense and not that I'm not guilty of it, but towards the end of the week, I don't know if anyone else felt this, but it, it kind of felt like the bills were going to have their number in this one. They've always just like played them tough and their defense is really, really, really good. And as we go through the rest of the games, I can't think of what the other ones are, were off the top of my head. Um, but the narratives seem to never fucking hit. I want to call it the podcast theory and talk about uh, right before the games actually kick off, like the five most popular narratives of the week and why they're probably going to flop. This felt like one of them. Uh, Tua played fine. I think the biggest takeaway here is that we've been saying Devon A. Chain's wrong, name wrong the entire summer. So it's a Chan. Devon A. Chan. Is it Devin now? Is it? I think it's Devon still. Devon A. Chan. That sounds so weird. That feels so weird. Can I just call him A. Chain? You guys not get upset with me? Can we just do that? Come on. Come on. Either way, eight for 101, two touchdowns. Raheem Mostert lost two fumbles. Um, Here's the way I'm looking at it. I still am super fine starting both guys. I think both of them are going to have major roles in this offense. This just happened to be an HN game. He ripped off a 55-yard run. You could see how just explosive he is. My worry was after last week, not that like Raheem Mostert wouldn't be a starter, not that Raheem Mostert wouldn't be involved. He's really involved in the passing game, continues to see like five targets a game. It's when they get to the red zone, though, they love using Achan. I, I just can't take myself seriously saying that over and over again after calling him a different name for six months. I'm calling him Achan. Fuck it. Devon Achan. Uh, in the red zone, they use him so often. They're 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 not at this point. They are not like a typical red zone like bruiser type 
let me get to the five-yard line and use a dude who's 220 pounds. They use creative, swift, explosive playmakers, and Achan is that for them. Next week, we can go back and Raheem Mostert might, might score two touchdowns. I still think Mostert's probably like the, the, the goal line goal line back. They're going to split touches and carries when they're inside the red zone. So, no, Mostert is not just like faded into uh, into nothing. I think both of them are probably top 20 um, fantasy options going forward. And if I had both of them, I'd be okay starting both of them. Let's look at the schedule for Miami going forward right now. Next week they start they, they play the Giants, they play the Panthers. Like you could start both of those guys against both of those teams for sure. And by that time we'll know a lot more to make a better decision against the Eagles and then the Patriots. But you could start them against the Chiefs and the Raiders. And, you know, like there are a lot of actually they got a pretty tough schedule going forward. But the next two, you could definitely start both HN and uh Mostert against the New York Giants. So that will probably be the most pressing question on a lot of people's minds. Um, are we panicking about Jalen Waddle? I mean, listen, like Tyreek Hill went three for 58. I, I just think the Bills had their number in this game. There's not much to take away. Waddle is still an unbelievably explosive young playmaker who, who set the rookie record with 104 catches two years ago. Had a monster year last year. He is a phenomenal player. And he will um, he'll have the Giants number. He'll bounce back next week. I got no problem with it. Buffalo. So Buffalo and, and Josh Allen are just... They are just popping on every level. I think one of the most underrated like storylines of this year as it relates to Buffalo is just how good and subtle their run game has been. Their run game has been extremely successful. Their run game has been really efficient, and what it's done is it has not forced Josh Allen to feel like he needs to run the ball all the time. That's what their run game, the combination of James Cook, right? He had a pretty shitty game this one, 12 for 29, did end up scoring a touchdown. And now I know everyone's like, oh my God, he got a goal line carry. It's like, okay, he got one goal line carry through four games. Let's not, let's not act like the one goal line carry he got in this game means that now he is the goal line back. It's going to be back to normal last week. But Latavius Murray, He's been running really, really, really well. He's been really efficient for the team. Damian Harris, it's just taken a lot off of Josh Allen's plate. And I was looking at the rushing numbers. So through four games, Josh Allen has 16 carries. Okay? He has 16 carries through four games. His high carry total is six. If you look back at last year, through four games, Josh Allen had 31 carries. So you're talking about nearly double. Up to this point, he had two separate games of double-digit carries. That must feel fucking phenomenal to be able to turn around, hand the ball off to a running back not named Devin Singletary that's going to actually do something with the ball, that can make explosive plays, that can get out into the open and make dudes miss. So Singletary was like a volume guy that just racked up numbers but never actually made the offense better. Their combination of running backs right now has taken so much pressure off Josh Allen and the passing game. He doesn't always feel the need. Like a lot of the times now they're second and five or second and four instead of second and eight or instead of an incomplete pass. You know what I mean? Like it's taken a lot of pressure off and it's made the passing game super successful. And Stefan Diggs is just the absolute GOAT. Broncos Bears. Uh, we won't talk about like the coaching and how this game actually ended up, but Russ is is cooking a little bit. I think w- what we probably got from this game is um, 
I, I guess the top waiver wire pickup of the week. Again, it's a really, really uh, gross waiver wire week all around. But again, I'll have a, a video on it tomorrow on the channel. So subscribe if you're new here. And then our waiver wire rankings, which include fab suggestions, whether or not we'd use the number one waiver wire on it. If you play in standard leagues, that will be up on bdge.co. So become a member and you can join the private discord channel as well. Where we're in there talking ball. So Jaleel McLaughlin, McLaughlin, let's, um, let us pull up some of his biography information. Jaleel McLaughlin. 5'7", 187 pounds out of Youngstown State, 23 years old. Now, there was a video I put out right before the regular season started, and it was seven seven mustache players on your fantasy football team, highlighted by Puka Nakua, which um, a lot of you guys ended up picking up because of that video, and a lot of you guys reached out to me for it. You know, I get lucky every once in a while, but I appreciate you guys. And that video was targeted around redraft leagues. It was like seven guys you should be using the last few spots of your roster on. And with that, I also included a dynasty player. And it was Jaleel McLaughlin. And I don't I don't feel smart for doing it. I just was reading between the lines here. They really liked him. And they used him a lot in preseason. And he was explosive. And they talked about him a lot throughout the offseason. And now Javante Williams went out with a hip injury. So there's a few there's a few ways to look at the Javante Williams hip injury. Apparently it's not serious at all. Apparently it's not significant. And he could be he could be back and play next week. However, with Javante Williams coming off of the ACL tear from last year, with a less than 100 percent hip, that puts the knee at a much uh, larger risk for re-injuring it, right? And uh, the workload on that knee becomes a lot more problematic if the hip is at less than 100%. So while a normal player probably has a likelihood uh, much higher than Javante Williams to play next week, there's a chance that he misses some time based on that. Again, there's a chance that he comes back next week and all this is just me yapping, but there's also a chance that he does miss. You know, th their doctors might just be like, listen, we're not a competing team right now. Um, we, we want you to get healthy. Like, you are the future of our backfield right now. So that's uh, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I think you, you kind of, like, weigh that when you are putting fab bids down on McLaughlin. I also think that he outplayed and played more than Samaje P. Ryan. So there's a chance that he just becomes the two in this backfield. Because I do think he is kind of like a, uh, a nice compliment to Javonta Williams, who is a little bit more of like a bruiser back. So it could be like Javante Williams is the 1A, McLaughlin is the 1B, and Samaji Piran is just like a breather back for Javante Williams. So we'll see how that turns out. I, I would throw a couple dollars down on Samaji Piran, though, too, because he is well-rounded enough that he could like be a compiler volume guy. But you're definitely looking for Jaleel, who is a explosive player. Right, he's making big plays. He had an 18-yard catch in this one. He had a 31-yard 31, 31 run in this one. He's good at getting in space, and he's good at making guys miss. Um so he's probably the top target for me this week, at least at the running back position, uh, from what I could think of off the top of my head, based on the week and based on guys that are probably available in your league. That being said, though, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know if I'm going to go much higher than like seven to eight percent on the fab bid there. You know, he does look like the best running back in that backfield right now, given Javante's health. Um, 
So maybe you want to go a little bit spicier on it. But again, I'll, I'll do my research tonight a little bit more for the waiver wire video tomorrow. But he is kind of leading the short list right now of guys that I like. On the flip side, Justin Fields had his bounce back day like the Denver Broncos defense is just uh, on a level of historic badness that this shouldn't really be a surprise to anybody. Um, this was the one week that you could have felt confident starting Justin Fields. I think we see Chicago and Washington play on Thursday night. Couldn't, couldn't have wrote up a, a game that I want to watch less than that. But um, So Fields goes for four touchdowns. Fields runs for 25 yards. We've still yet to see him really rip off like a that that vintage Fields uh, running game, right, that made us want to pick him as a top-five quarterback this year. But DJ Moore continues to get it done, regardless of the shitty situation. Eight for 131, one touchdown. Again, he should just be in your lineup every single week. There really hasn't been a reason to take him out. It's look sloppy. You kind of just want to close your eyes and let them play, and then at the end of the game, look at the box score for DJ Moore. But that's that. Uh, Roshan Johnson take takes a very very back there maybe three rows back um seat to Cleo Herbert in this one 18 for 103 on the ground also sees five targets gets in through the air where Roshan just Roshan just absolutely took a back seat there so um anyone waiting for that breakout to happen is gonna have to wait uh much longer it feels like so Justin Fields it's like uh are we back on Justin Fields I think you should realistically kind of look at Justin Fields the same way after this game as you did before this game. Obviously, it's good to see him rip this off and know that it's still there and, and capable, and there's good things to build on. But when we look at the Bears' schedule, um, what do they got? Okay, they actually have a really, really favor favorable schedule. So if that game made you feel good about Fields, maybe you wait for that Washington game on Thursday night. They're playing on the road. That's a tough matchup, a tough defense overall. Wait for him to fucking splat, and then they play the Vikings, the Raiders, the Chargers. Saints, but the Panthers, the Vikings again, like they have Cardinals and Falcons to end things. They they have a really, really favorable schedule after they play the commanders there. So Fields could be a trade target for you if he has another rough outing there for uh, against Washington. Ravens Browns. Uh, here was another like here was another uh, narrative of the week that the Cleveland Browns defense was just is historically amazing. Um that the Cleveland Browns defense is was unmovable on. And like you couldn't have listened to a podcast that that did not mention just how amazing the Browns defense was. And I think they obviously faltered a little bit because Deshaun Watson was out. And the other theme of this week, too, I think, was the fact that like again, it goes back to the preseason, man. Why the preseason is so important is is based on usage. It's not based on performance. Performance in the preseason is such a flash in the pan, especially at the QB position. Kenny Pickett, he rose up draft boards because he looked good on about four throws in the preseason. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, people liked him this week because he looked good in the preseason. We never know who they're actually playing against in the preseason. You can be playing against third stringers while you have your starters on the field. Aiden O'Connell also got the start this week. Looked good in the preseason. Sure, he like ended up with okay stats and and made some plays, but he was not like even watching that game. It was like the Raiders needed Jimmy G. You could just tell, okay. Um, so just another another uh, reminder that the preseason is really important because of usage, but not because of performance or statistics. Um, so the Browns badly need Watson back, but they have their bye next week, as I said, so they will get him back. 
hopefully, because they are a fucking mess on offense without him. The Ravens, Lamar looked really, really good in this one, just like willed his team to a victory. Had four total touchdowns, two running and two passing. Mark Andrews had his pristine breakout game. But again, this offense, like, it's... I don't know. I, I I really don't know what to make of it because they just don't do anything like, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of like fucking really boring to watch. Lamar is really fun to watch, but everything else just seems like stagnant or kind of boring to watch and everything is like line of scrimmage type shit. Um, I don't know. The, the Ravens are playing great ball, though. They're set up really, really, really well right now in the AFC North looking at like the Browns without Watson looking at, or even with Watson, he doesn't look great. Steelers are fucking tremendously bad. The, the Bengals look horrible with what's going on with Joe Burrow. So, um, Lamar, yeah, I mean, Lamar's a stud, obviously. Gus gets a lot of touches, but a lot of empty touches again. Finally caught a ball. Caught two balls, actually. That was his first regular season catch since the year 2020. Shout out to him. Took it for a whole-ass one yard. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, listen, right now, I think the only startable players on offense are Mark Andrews and then Zay Flowers if you're like kind of desperate. He ends up he ends up like topping the 50-yard mark every time, but he, he sometimes it's on high volume, sometimes it's on not. He, he's not really scoring touchdowns, so it's I don't know. It's a little tough with Zay Flowers. Again, he's not one of those like must-start or must-sit guys. He's kind of just you throw him into your rankings as wide receiver 35 to 38ish and then if you have better options than that, you play them, if not not. Why did I put the bookmarks away if I had all the teams up there? Bengals-Titans. Yeah, so um, here's what's going on with the Bengals. Well, I can't really tell you that, but he, they they just rely so heavily on Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow's so clearly less than 100%. Joe Burrow's going to be dealing, as I said last week and the week before, he's going to be dealing with this calf re-injury for quite a while, like deep into October. So I don't know if there are better days ahead. He can't scramble. He can't do play. Like, it limits their offense because you can't run scramble plays. It's it's also tough to do a lot of play action stuff because you can't roll out on the play action. Like, that also requires you moving a lot. There's just a lot of stuff that the Bengals cannot do right now while Joe Burrow is limited. He's also a good athlete. So a lot of the times when the, when the uh, defense opens up, he's able to scramble for first downs. And now they don't have that threat whatsoever, so they're able to drop back into more coverage. Also, Joe Mixon is just a slug, obviously. He's been that way for for quite a while. So right now it's gross. It's really gross. Uh, T. Higgins fractured his ribs. So I'm going to imagine he's out for uh, a little while. Actually, fun fact, it's not fun at all. It was the least fun thing of all time. The only, the only bones I've ever broken were my ribs. I fractured my ribs in high school playing baseball. I was in center field, and there was a fucking... Yabo hit between left and center field and I went to I went to run to it and my homie was playing left field and I dove for it and he came in from left field and his knee just popped my rib cage and I was like okay it did I didn't really feel it at first but I stood up and then I couldn't breathe there was literally no air coming in or out and I just dropped to my knees there was nothing I thought I was dead I really thought straight up I was like oh god God and um and yeah so T Higgins I know I know how you feel buddy I don't know if it was less severe than that I don't know if it was more severe than that but I can tell you what that shit was painful as fuck and the only thing you could do for it 
the only thing you could do for it is rest. There's no magic trick for it. I'm sure they could like shoot him up on a pain thing, but that shit is going to be bothering him for quite a while if they were, you know, similar to mine. So with him out, I mean, sure, Tyler Boyd is going to get more targets. I'm sure Jamar Chase is going to continue to get like 10 to 14 targets a game. But right now, it's just so hard to trust this. If they can't do it against the Tennessee Titans pass defense, who can they do it against, right? I don't know. At this point, you're definitely starting players over Joe Burrow. I think Jamar Chase is – I mean, you're definitely still starting Jamar Chase. He's probably like a top 15, 18 guy, but he's not who you drafted him as, of course, so – and there will be teams that you can sit him on, right? Because if you had, if if you ended up going with like Chase at the two, and then you took two more wide receivers at the two three turn, and then you ended up grabbing like a Puka or something like that, you might have three wide receivers or two wide receivers better than Chase. So he is definitely sitable based on how the offense is playing. Um, but he's definitely like a top twenty guy still. On the flip side, not much to really take away from here. Just a bounce back game from Tennessee and. Derrick Henry, et cetera. Um, everyone on Tennessee is droppable except for Henry, realistically. I mean, D-Hop's fun, whatever, but. Rams-Colts. This was a fun one. This was a really, really fun one. Took it into overtime. Um, Matt Stafford looks great. Pook obviously chewed this fucking defense up um, as expected. Cooper Cup maybe returns next week. Uh, we don't know that for sure. He returns to practice for sure, but we don't know if he's actually ready for playing in the game. Um, I will say, like, let, let's say, let's let's roll out some scenarios here. If Cooper Cup plays next week, assuming all the reports are good, assuming that they're saying he's, like, full go, which probably means he's, like, 70% go, 75 80% go, uh, you're starting both of them for sure. We obviously want to see how it plays out. We'll have more information after the first week, but I think this just makes the offense better. You're starting both of them. Um, I, I'd imagine that Cup will be – I would rank – let me see who they play against. Play against the Eagles. So not an unbeatable secondary by any means. Um, then they play the Cardinals after that. So they got a nice little schedule. I, I, If I had to guess, I kind of feel like Cooper Cup's not going to play next week. So obviously, Puka's a must-start again. But if they both played, and our rankings go up every Tuesday at noon, by the way. The only place to get them again is bdge.co. If you are a member, you can go sign up there, bdge.co. Um, our rankings for the week, which are updated throughout the entire week. BG.co. I will be ranking Cooper Cup most likely as I think I think I want to see a game, but he'll probably be like a the wide receiver, maybe like 12, 13. And then Puka, I mean Puka's gonna be top 10 again. So I actually I think for the first week back would probably rank Puka ahead of Cup. And both of them would be like top 15 guys for me. I just want to see how they run together. Obviously, Cup can blow up week one and then you could flip the rankings but I really don't imagine either of them not being top 15 guys for the rest of the season just based on how Stafford and this offense are running and on that note we get a lot of questions about Kyron Williams trade questions here's what I'll say about Kyron Williams man like McVay I, I feel like McVay is very transparent as it relates to the running back situation and not in turn like I know a lot of you guys are like what do you mean he's transparent he's always flip-flopping what I mean by that is that flip-flopping is 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 information for us when McVay finds a running back that he likes and trusts, he uses them as a workhorse. If he does not like or trust or feel like they're a good running back, he flip-flops between running backs. Cam Akers, Darrell Henderson, and Malcolm Brown. When you had Todd Gurley, it was all Todd Gurley. Right now, Kyron Williams is basically fucking Todd Gurley. 
Kyron Williams, to me, is not a sell candidate whatsoever. He is getting pass-catching work. He is getting goal-line work. He is pass-blocking. He is getting the in-between. Like, what about how Sean McVay is using Kyron Williams tells you that he's someone you want to sell? I get it. If you want to just be like, he's small and he's going to get hurt and he can't do it, cool. But I'm trying to ride these types of guys, the ones that are so obviously the workhorse in their offense, for as long as the coach is allowing us to ride them. So um, McVay seems to rarely trust running backs, but when he does – he lets them rip into eternity. So Kyron, for me, is an every week RB1. Uh, on the flip side, A. Rich had uh, another really, really strong game. They didn't end up winning the game. But another rushing touchdown for him. I believe that's four straight games with a rushing touchdown, or I guess he didn't play, but the three games with a rushing touchdown. Becomes the first quarterback ever. Starts career with three straight games with at least one rushing touchdown. Uh, so A. Rich is looking like fucking a fantasy monster to come. Um, and I watched, uh, what did I watched this morning, um, Ray G and, and, um, Ray G on wake up. Uh, they did a, um, sorry, Ray G and Jordan on, on wake up on their YouTube channel, repicked a rookie Superflex mock draft. So if they were drafting a Superflex mock draft or a rookie Superflex draft today, where would guys go? And they had a rich at the one one CJ Stroud, I think at the two, Bijan at the three, and I can't really argue against it. I feel like uh, come this upcoming offseason, when startup drafts hit, A-Rich has got to be, you know, uh, I mean, like right now, I, I think people are like really uh, dramatic with like moving players week to week. Like people would have Jalen Hurts at the 103 or the 102 this previous summer, and now I feel like they'll like move him down for no reason. Um, A-Rich is probably a top five pick in Dynasty Startups at this point. Right, like Mahomes, Josh Allen. I think you go Mahomes, Josh Allen, and then after that, I I think you can argue a rich in terms of just like dynasty value all the way up at 103. He should be in the conversation with Hertz. He should be in the conversation with all the guys behind him, right? Herbert and whoever you want to put in there, L. Jackson, T. Law, and whatever it is, Hertz, all those guys, Burrow. Um, so Richardson is a he's a cool player, cool little player. Um, Jonathan Taylor, listen, I'm I'm. I'm in the same boat as you guys. We're just in wait-and-see mode on, on JT. He can return this upcoming week. I have no idea if he's going to return this upcoming week. He could be traded. He could return in fucking four weeks. He could just pretend that his ankle still hurts and not play. I, I really I really don't know what to tell you. I do know that if he's active, I am certainly playing him and putting him in my lineup. If he's not active, then you play the shit out of Zach Moss because Zach Moss is getting an absurd number of opportunities. I know he had like a down game in this one, but he's getting, he's getting that Kyron Williams treatment. So just ride that as long as you can. That's what I'll say. Uh, Michael Pittman had down game. Not too worried about that. I believe Alec Pierce might have got concussed, which could open up more targets for Josh Downs. But Josh Downs just feels like a three for 50 guy like every single week. Not much to take away there. What's up, everybody in the chat? We're 40 minutes in. We got almost 1,200 people in here. Love to see it. 1,200 people, 100 thumbs up. You guys ever going to grow up? You guys ever going to grow up and maybe show a little respect? Doesn't feel like it. It don't feel like it. Hit the thumbs up if you're in here. You're chilling. About 1,200 of you. Strong. All right. Uh, let's move to the Bucks and the Saints. Baker keeps keeps ripping, man. 246 and three touchdowns. Rashad White just looks like a guy again. Uh, Rashad White is, I feel like he's kind of obvious when to play, when not to play. He's just like against good teams. He's going to he's gonna put you up 70 touchdownless yards. Against bad teams, he could probably run up a score just because he gets a lot of work. 
Other than that, Mike Evans did repull the hamstring injury, but they have a bye coming up, so not really much to take away here until we know more on his status. I don't think it's supposed to be serious, um, but it's got two weeks, so hopefully he's back after that. The Saints look terrible. I'm not even sure why Derek Carr started in this one, um, but he did, and he averaged 3.4 yards per attempt, which is just abysmal. I think the biggest takeaway here, of course, is Alvin Kamara's return. Alvin Kamara returned and immediately got 24 touches, thanks to 14 targets. So it was clear that Carr was just not throwing the ball anywhere downfield. Alvin Kamara, I heard this stat a few times today. This was by far and away the lowest yardage total for anyone that caught 13 passes in a game, obviously. I think the next lowest yardage total was like 75 yards or something like that. So Alvin Kamara coming back, setting records immediately. You love to see it. He looked fine on the ground, um, but the, the volume is obviously the biggest takeaway here. You have 24 touches for Kamara. You have one carry for Kendry Miller and one target for Kendry Miller. So Kamara is right back into that workhorse role, and I think he will have fantastic days ahead as Carr gets healthier and healthier. So after this game against the Bucks, they play the Patriots, which is not a great matchup obviously but they play the texans the jags the colts the bears the vikings the falcons the there is no game on this schedule where you should really be scared off of starting alvin kamara the rest of the way most of the matchups are pretty cake matchups that are either really just bad matchups or bad run defenses or run defenses that are relatively good like even the falcons and the colts and, and those and the lions but still allow a lot of points to opposing running backs from way of pass catching. So uh, if you're a Kamara owner and you waited this long, you should feel pretty fucking good about having like a, I would say like a high-end RB2 for now. We'll have to see how the offense like fluctuates, you know, if they give them enough scoring opportunities down there. Um, or if you're in a full PPR league, obviously you lucked out with this game and just ended up getting a fucking 20-point performance out of Kamara for absolutely no reason. But just just good to see from Kamara first game back. Washington Philly, this was a good this was a good a good game. Fun game. Sam Howell was taking like 82 sacks a game, which is crazy. Um I think I think we kind of know like if there's ever a good defense going against Washington and the and Sam Howell and this offensive line, just start them in fantasy. They don't even need to like hold them to low points because they're gonna give you five to nine sacks. It's kind of crazy. Um B Rob continues to be by far and away their best running back. He did get into the end zone for a touchdown, but this is a really tough team to run against. The Philadelphia Eagles front seven is just fucking ferocious. Terry McLaurin kind of eight, eight for 86. He seems like he's kind of rounding back into form um, after that. I think he was dealing with a, was it hamstring or turf toe? I think it was a turf toe from the preseason. And now he's finally kind of like good to go. Jahan Dotson has just been so disappointing. Feels just like a lot like Elijah Moore where it's like, oh, great underlying metrics, nine targets in this one. Got into the end zone, like, kind of shoddy, but I, he's just kind of unstartable at this point. I had to start him in a league where I had Deshaun Watson as my super flex, and I did not have a backup option um, at QB, so I had to throw Dotson in there, and he ended up like, I don't know, what did he end up with, like 11 points or something like that, 12 points because of the touchdown, but I don't know. He's, he's, he's pretty much unstartable at this point. Can you drop him? Yeah, you probably can drop him, but I'd almost look at him as like uh, – one of those like rookies you pick, right? First round rookie you pick, and you're like, oh, I drafted him for the second half of the year breakout. That's what I'm kind of holding on hope for, holding out hope for is Dotson like getting more involved in the offense and better schedule ahead because you play the Bills and the Eagles. That's tough, but they get the Bears, Falcons, Giants, Eagles again, Patriots, Seahawks, Giants. Like the, the schedule's 
relatively friendly going forward. So hopefully better days ahead, but I don't really blame anyone for dropping Dotson if they really need to. On the flip side, um, DeAndre Swift just continues to be the RB1 here. And, you know, I put out a video a couple like, week or week ago or so that, yeah, DeAndre Swift going forward is definitely a top 12 fantasy running back for me. Just his involvement in a great offense behind a great O-line. Vikings and the Panthers. This is just some shit, man. The Vikings, one and three. Not sitting pretty, but they get the win over the Carolina Panthers. Um, Cam Akers, his first game action. Five for 40 on the ground, so he looked good. Um, they said they were going to ride the hot hand. Alexander Madison had a, another good game. They had like such a, a nice slate of uh, run defense schedules that Madison was obviously only going to go up from anywhere, but I, I think it's clear that they see Cam Akers as like, a viable RB2 in this offense, and he could obviously at, at any point like become the RB1 here. I don't think there's ever really a world. I mean, maybe. I don't know. But I think they're comfortable with Madison in games where they're playing shitty defenses and they know that he can put up performances like this. Um, but this was his lowest snap percentage. This was his lowest rushing uh, like percentage in terms of sharing the backfield with other people. So we'll see. We'll keep a close eye on how that plays itself out. But this offense is just so condensed right now, as you can see. It's Jefferson, Hawkinson, and that's really it. Um, yeah, so I, I would hold on to both guys, Akers and Madison, just to see how it plays out. On the flip side, the Panthers, Miles Sanders was clearly less than 100%. I'm surprised they even let him play. He ended up having 16 touches for, like, fucking 30 yards. It's pretty disgusting. Adam Thielen is balling, bro. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Adam Thielen is, is like, that dude in this offense right now. But every quarterback just trusts the shit out of him. Trust the shit out of him. He keeps balling in, in PPR league, so he's pretty much a must-start right now. Pretty much. Terrace Marshall, I want to say, is that back-to-back -back big games for him? Or am I lying? This is his first game back? Hmm. Well, eight targets. Eight for 35. So he's got six, eight, and ten targets. He's being targeted a lot. He actually played pretty well down the stretch last year. Um, but, like, him and DJ Chark just feel like, I guess, they are monopolizing each other. Not great. Steelers, Texans. Texans just routed the Steelers. Kenny Pickett uh, sprained his MCL, I believe. So what I have heard is it, it's likely a multi-week, somewhere in like the two to four week range. He's definitely going to miss some time. Trubisky will step in as his QB. This, I... All I can say is I'm sorry to Steelers fans. Like I'm just I'm just sorry, you know. Like what else is there to say? Pickett stinks. Pickett stinks. Uh, Trubisky is like he's maybe a downgrade. I don't know, but we just know that he stinks as well. So this offense will not be fun to watch. Uh, Deontay Johnson maybe back next week, the week after that, something like that. I don't. Doesn't matter. Uh, no one else really is even like startable on this team right now. Literally nobody is startable. Um, on the flip side, there are so many startable players here. Who would have thought we'd be saying that shit? Who would have thought we'd be saying there are so many startable players on the Houston Texans offense? CJ Stroud is just darting up defenses. CJ Stroud looks so good. 306 yards, two more touchdowns. Damian Pierce, 24 carries in this one. Caught a ball for 27 yards. Should have had a touchdown. Didn't get the touchdown. 
Um, but good to see a, a nice bounce back game again, especially with limited offensive linemen available. They're still super banged up on the old line, but great outing to see. Like you could see that with a comparable quarterback, like the offense is opening up. Nico Collins is a fucking animal. Um, this was another one of those like podcast theory sections I wanted to talk about where like everyone went so far in on Tank Dell and just kind of forgot about Nico Collins, even though Collins had so many blow up games before that. I felt like the, the, the comeback game for Collins felt relatively obvious so Collins is an every week starter Tank Dell does not mean you don't start him but again you probably rank him based on the matchups let's see they play the Falcons um so AJ Terrell and Nico Collins should go at it they play the Saints tough Panthers but yeah so a mixed match of some tough but relatively easy matchups after that um I think Tank Dell is still like a top 40 wide receiver that I'd like to get into my lineup because you know he has the capability of having those like seven for 150 in a touchdown game so um Nico Collins is definitely a must start. Damian Pierce is probably still just because he's not getting a lot of scores, uh, like a low end RB two, but definitely startable. And it's good to see a bigger game out of him. Rate is charges. Uh, another one again, like Aiden O'Connell, like saved his day with the rushing touchdown fantasy wise. But clearly, there's a reason why these backups are backups. Took seven sacks in this one. Cleo Mack had fucking six sacks, out of control. Um, Jacobs had a really nice bounce back day. Seventeen for fifty eight on the ground and a touchdown. 8 for 81 through the air. They are just peppering Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Um, hopefully Jimmy G is back next week. I actually, like, don't hate this offense when Jimmy G is under center. What else? Uh, Devontae Adams left for a second, came back in the game. He was fine. Chargers, Justin Herbert, like, broke his finger. But, again, they have their bye next week, so hopefully he'll be fine going forward. It's on his non-throwing hand as well. So, if anything, it's just kind of like a ball security, ball grip issue. But he came back in the game after it happened, so... Shout out to him. Gained some respect this week. Um, big takeaways, like hopefully Austin Eckler's got to be back after next week. Eckler's got to be back after next week's bye. Please, God. Receivers. So Quentin Johnson is it's not looking good out there. For people that took him early in the rookie drafts, if they if you used the, you know, the 107 on him or something, if you took him over any of the first-round rookie wide receivers at this point, not feeling great about it. Joshua Palmer, eight targets, actually led the team, three for 77. Realistically, he had an awful day, had some drops. It was fourth and one at the end of the game, and Herbert threw a fucking dime to end the game. It was the dagger, 51-yard catch down the sideline. Palmer brought it in. Without that play, had they just gone with a sneak or punted it or something like that, Palmer has an abysmal day. That's what's going to happen with this offense, I think, on some on some days. Keenan Allen, I, <clears throat> I I think there's some credence to what I said last week. Uh, I don't know if it was this stream or uh, maybe it was a waiver wire video, but one of the Chargers beat reporters came on to the Athletic podcast last week after the Mike Williams injury and said, I actually feel like Keenan might struggle a bit more without Mike Williams on the field because there will be an unbelievable amount of defensive attention on him. And I think that's what we saw in this one. So Keenan Allen did escape with a touchdown, but three for 32. Um, you know, they'll they'll be able to hopefully get right after the bye, have Eckler back at full strength, and that will be their passing game for the most part, I'm assuming. It will be Allen, Eckler, and then a mixture of maybe some games from Quentin Johnson, maybe some games from Josh Palmer. But right now, I think both of those guys are – well, I, w- I, would, I would play Palmer over Johnson for the time being, but Palmer is really just like a – a wide receiver four at best. You probably have multiple options to play over him. 
Patriots, Cowboys, I mean, there is just nothing really to take away from the Patriots. They look terrible. They benched Mac Jones. They said they didn't bench him. They said that there was just nothing left to play for, so we're just going to sit him. We'll see uh, what happens next week. I do believe they pretty much named Mac Jones already the starter again, but it's it's gross out there. Ramondre Stevenson is becoming dangerously close to, like, very sittable. Very sittable. They're not making explosive plays. Their offensive line is not playing well. They're not targeting their running backs in the passing game at, you know, consistently. The Cowboys just chewed them up at every level. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The D-line was breakfast. The linebackers were lunch. The safeties were dinner. That was it. It was a fucking five-course meal here. Can't start anybody in the passing game. Hunter Henry's been, like, the one consistent, and I guess in a position like the tight end where nobody's consistent. He's not a terrible start, but I I can't imagine getting excited about him. The Cowboys. So maybe we need to have a conversation about Tony Pollard. Maybe. I mean, if they keep blowing teams out, they don't necessarily need to use him. He's not scoring. Um, Obviously, you just keep putting him into your lineup, but that's for another time. Let's see. Jake Ferguson. Hell yeah. My fucking guy. Loved him. Will have his games. Will not have his games. I don't know. There's not really any takeaways from this game, to be honest. Cardinals, Niners. You thought, you thought, you thought I was going to yell about Michael Wilson, didn't you? That's what you thought? You did. I'm looking right at you. You. Michael Wilson, he's the GOAT. Simply clear to me. He's the GOAT. I actually think, was my, um, was my bold prediction video, I think, did I, did I name Mike Wilson as a top three or five rookie fantasy wide receiver? I think I did. And not that he's been, you know, off to a scorching hot start, but this game alone might fucking throw him up there. Zay Flowers has been good. Obviously, Puka is the one, but, like, he's probably not that far behind. Let's look at some of the rookie fantasy wide receivers. So we have Puka. Tank Dell. Okay, forgot about him. It's wide receiver two, rookie. And Michael fucking Wilson. Let's go! What the fuck is up? If you didn't know, you saw yesterday. Michael Wilson's a beast. The only thing I thought was going to hold him down was the quarterback play, but Josh Dobbs is out here. Josh Dobbs is really out here. I like that dude. And Hollywood Brown's playing really, really well, too. He has surprised me. I'm not going to lie. I was I was all in on the fate of, of Hollywood Brown, but, like, he's been a player, man. He's been a dude that... uh that you can consistently rely on. He's getting absolutely peppered with targets. And he's he's their clear one. And he's he's acting like the alpha. Now, let, let me say, with Michael Wilson, I love the dude. I, I own him in like 70% of my best ball drafts. So, like, love the fact that this happened. This is, I mean, I'm not going over. I'm not ready to start him anywhere yet, right? Because we had, I mean, he's, he's been like relatively consistent. I think actually... He was the leading receiver for the last two weeks prior to this as well. He's not getting enough volume, though, for me to get, like, really excited about him. He's he's for sure someone that I want to stash, that I feel like the second half of the year can really put something together. But right now, you, you don't, like, chase touchdowns and put a guy into your starting lineup because of that. He's a guy that you definitely want to own. He's going to be high on my waiver wire rankings this week. But more so because the waiver wire uh, options this week are shitty. That's That's why. Y'all know I like Michael Wilson. No, there. I don't know if there's anyone higher than Michael Wilson, higher on Michael Wilson than me all summer. And if you watched him play yesterday, like you could see why. He is big. He's got the size. He's a great route runner. There's no reason he should be able to separate like he like he can. 
at that size, but he can. Um, that being said, though, like next week, will he go three for 40? Probably. So, you know, hard, hard to get overly excited about him, but he is still the, the two here. He is, he is the two. He's running 75% of the routes. Um, so those are the signs that we're looking for. Those are the signs we saw all preseason. He was running as the two next to Marquise Brown. And that's why we were excited about him. Not because he looked great during the preseason, because honestly, he didn't really make a lot of plays, but because he was running all the routes. And then Josh Dobbs has surprised us and just played better than any of us could have humanly fucking imagined. And when stuff like that happens, other players benefit from it. All right. So on the flip side, we have Brock Purdy continues to do fucking amazing. Christian McCaffrey continues to do amazing. Brandon Ayuk continues to be the alpha here. He is the absolute goat. I'm so I got Ayuk as like as like my sixth round pick in a dynasty startup this offseason. I don't know how many dynasty wide receivers I want over Ayuk. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like he's definitely he's not, you know, he's not in that like Jamar CD Lamb tier. But he ain't fucking far off, man. Ayuk is still young. Ayuk is still, how old is he, 25? He's 25, man. He's 20 fucking five. CeeDee Lamb's 24. I'm just saying. Ayuk has improved as a as just a player as much as anyone in the NFL at the wide receiver position, man. He is that dude. When he's healthy and on the field, like he missed a couple games, banged up, whatever, but when he's on the field, he is the um, he is the one. Brock Purdy, 20 for 21. Holy fuck. What the hell? 13 and a half yards per attempt. Bro, I didn't know he... I knew he had a good game, but holy shit. Brother. My brother in Christ. Oh my goodness. Alright, well it was all Ayuk. It was all C-Mac. Holy shit. Um, Kittle, man. I made quite possibly the most horrid trade ever in a Dynasty League like a few weeks ago. I traded, it's a super flex league. I traded Jared Goff for Kittle in a non-tight end premium, just half PPR. I did get a second and third in return, so I got some draft cap, but like I thought George Kittle was going to make me, my team's doing well in that league. I think I'm 3-0, and and if Tyler Lockett scores 14, 15 points tonight, I'm 4-0 and and in first place. So I'm going for like a win-out team because I have C-Mac and Eckler and Tyree Kill and a bunch of good players. But I traded, like Jared Goff is a really nice dynasty super flex player i traded thinking george kittle would be like the guy that puts me over the edge of my starting lineup because i had who's my starting tight end maybe in joku or something and he's been fucking balls so i was like give me like a real concrete starter that i can put into my lineup and not think twice about and i actually have zach Ertz on that team i totally forgot i haven't started him once this year i don't know why in my mind i'm just like oh zach Ertz. like i'll never start him and i should be starting him over kittle probably so that was not that's not that's not been a good time for me Let's move on to the Sunday night game where the Chiefs fucked my cover up, had them minus eight and a half. Mahomes just wanted to slide and then fucking give one of these. You know what might be my favorite thing in all sports? Just after every single play, the camera zooming into Patrick Mahomes and him just going like this. Like, who is he doing that to? What is he doing? Like, he just has like a twitch where he's like calling his guys to the line. It's, just, it's so weird. I don't know. It's like one of my favorite things in sports for absolutely no reason. Uh, Mahomes struggled a little bit. He had some arid throws that like are not normal Mahomes things. Isaiah Pacheco, I had a feeling he was gonna have a big fucking pop off game. Should have taken him a deal or no deal. Didn't do it like an asshole. 
but he went crazy. And I, I think I've been saying actually in, in like the trade target videos and uh, a few other videos that I've been that Pacheco has been like a buy low guy for me for sure. It's only a matter of time before he took the uh, backfield back over because he was dealing with injuries beginning of the year. Finally had his like explosion game. And I think this will be like the norm going forward where Pacheco is getting not 20 carries, but 20 carries relative to Clyde's three, Jarek's three. So you're talking about, you know, 70% of the carries in his back. I think that's what's normal here. On the flip side, Zach Wilson, like, actually played okay. Um, yeah, like, this is not going to last. He'll have another – he'll have a bad game next week, and then everyone's like, eh. It's so fucking nauseating watching the Jets on primetime because the whole – I feel like the whole broadcast is just like, yay, like, look at all the Jets just, like, rallying behind Zach Wilson. It's like they're treating him like a fucking six-year-old. Like, brother, you were the number two pick in the NFL draft, and you stink. Like, get over it. I'm tired of hearing the narratives of like, oh, Garrett Wilson went up to him and like tapped him in the back. They're they're back as a team. Like, no, dude, just fucking go, just go trade for a QB. Let Trevor Simeon play or something like that. I get it. He had one really nice drive last night. He had a great drive last night. Who cares? It's one drive. How many drives has he had this year? Fucking forty. It's one good drive. I don't give a shit. The backfield is a mess. I genuinely don't know if I can name a player. It's so funny how like obsessed people in fantasy were with the Dalvin Cook signing. Never forget that I broke that news. Uh, people were so enamored by where he was going to sign. And I listened to a lot of like podcasts, one in particular from The Athletic that they had like a former, uh, one of the former G, the former GM for the Steelers. And he kept talking about how like, I, I love his stuff. And I, I think like most of the guys on those podcasts are re- really, really smart and they know football really, really well. But he kept talking about how like, why would John, why would the Colts sign Jonathan Taylor to a big contract when they can go get like Dalvin Cook for half the price? And I feel like to anyone that has followed fantasy whatsoever, you kind of knew that Dalvin Cook was on the Cook trajectory. But this dude might actually, based on all of the like chatter around Dalvin Cook, he might be like pound for pound just the least impactful player to a team relative to what happened this summer in the entire NFL. Like, this dude does nothing. He is literally just getting the ball put into his stomach and doing not a single thing with it. He is useless. And, yeah, you could absolutely drop him. I I think you could have dropped him weeks ago. Uh, Brees Hall you're still holding on to. Like, you just have to imagine they keep watching him rip off big plays. I cannot believe he didn't take that to the house. I can't believe he got tackled by the safety on that run. But um, you have to think over the second half of the year, they just – they get this offense together – in some way, shape, or form with a new quarterback that's more stable than Zach Wilson that can sustain drives, and Brees Hall starts to get 15 to 20 touches a game. Like, you just have to imagine that happens. Um, so I, I think you're kind of left with Brees Hall. Right now, if if I, I'm not, I'm not uh, selling Brees Hall. I'm either holding on or I'm buying Brees Hall. Better days have to be ahead. He just looks too good for it not to happen. And, I mean, this is what we expected, right? Like, with Javante, we, me in particular, I was completely off of Javante Williams because I get it. Like, again... This is why the preseason matters. People get hyped up about his like production during the preseason, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Like the science tells you he's eight months removed from a, a massive ACL tear. He's lacked any explosion. Now he's re he, now he injured his hip. Like it just felt like it was so obvious not to draft a dude like Javante Williams this summer. People went ahead and did it with Brees Hall. I was a lot more optimistic, but at the same time, it was the sentiment was, Hey, He's going to be good over the second half of the year, not the first half of the year. They bring in Dalvin Cook to lighten his workload. 
That's what they're doing. They're forcing it to the detriment of the team, obviously, but like they continue to split the carries very fucking evenly here. Um, and it will take some time for Brees Hall to, again, just reclaim that. But it felt kind of obvious that the storyline was going to be like that. And I, it could be very different if Aaron Rodgers was under center, but like, who knows? Garrett Wilson, again, like, uh, as I've said, the way to look at a guy like Garrett Wilson in this offense is look at Terry McLaurin. Ultra fucking talented dude, but what are you going to do when you have wild-ass quarterback throws going your way all the time? So just treat him like you've treated Terry McLaurin over the last two years. All right. Um, those are all the games. Let's uh, let's jump into underdog to make some picks for tonight's game because I gave you guys the free square already. So we had the free square. If you're new to the stream or if you are new uh, on underdog overall right now for all new customers that use our code BDGE, if you go to underdogfantasy.com, the link is right down below in the description. It'll help you sign up. It'll t take you right to the app store immediately. If it's your first time on there and you deposit, use promo code BDGE, and they're going to double whatever you put down on your account. So if you deposit 10, they'll have 20 for you. If you deposit 20, they'll have 40, all the way up to, I believe, $500 now, which is fucking dope. But you will also see a free square for tonight's game. Geno Smith over 0.5 total yards. Who can we pair this with? Who can we pair this with? I kind of think it's cool that they now offer like higher odds ones, right? Like obviously uh, it shouldn't be in favor of Darren Waller scoring a touchdown. So they put it at a 1.75 X. Let's see, 49 and a half receiving yards. Hmm. You know what else is a really cool team? Um, a really cool tool uh, on the 33rd team website. If you go to the edge, they have all these really, really unique filters, first of all, but they also from a very, very baseline, like, okay, fantasy points allowed to different teams. You can look at versus quarterback, versus running back, versus wide receiver, versus tight end. As you can see, the Broncos are just the single most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, two running backs, to wide receivers, and second most to tight end. So this might be something where you look at and say, like, hey, do I expect uh, a big game out of Darren Waller playing against the Seahawks? And as you can see, the Seahawks are – a little bit better than average 20th in terms of fantasy points allowed and for teams like that kind of sit in the middle here I don't really look too deep into it from like the 10 to 20 range it's kind of just like did you have a bad game one game that will influence the uh the statistics a lot but you want to look at the end of the spectrum it's like these guys are probably actually really really good against the position so you're probably fading that these guys are probably really, really bad against the position. So you're probably looking to attack that. And that's kind of how I look at um, like fantasy points allowed kind of thing. Kayvon Thibodeau. Nope. He looks terrible. Gino. Ooh, I kind of like one, one and a half passing touchdowns. It's probably that low because Kenneth Walker has been scoring so many touchdowns on the goal line. What's his rushing doing? Negative four, six, 13 and a half rushing yards. We're, we're going to bookmark this one. Gino, one and a half passing touchdowns. I kind of like the over there. They got Kenneth at .5. I like the over there, too. What's he been doing in the receiving game? Not much, right? I feel like DJ Dallas is playing too much. Eh, three catches, four catches, one catch. They got about two receptions. I feel better if that was 1.5. DK. I don't hate D D DK. has been fucking going bonkers lately, and they have his touchdown line at 1.25x. I actually might take that. Lock it <laughs> 14 yards after the catch. I might take the lower simply because he just catches the ball and falls down. JSN, how the mighty have fallen. 
Daniel Jones, 34 and a half rushing yards. He didn't get it last week, which felt like the first time in quite a while. Wow. Really had fucking five rushing yards last week. I kind of feel like he bounces back a little bit with the rushing yardage. I might take the over on his rushing yardage here. Let's see how the Seahawks have fared against rushing QBs. They have allowed mm, not much. Not much. Rushing attempts, that can't be right. Just five rushing attempts for 22 yards. But they allow a shitload of yards. They've allowed a decent amount of fantasy points here. But they've obviously only played three games. They also don't have all these updated for all of the teams yet. So keep that in mind as well. Hmm. I, th I think I tentatively like the over there. Darius Slayton, 40 receiving yards, feels a little high. That feels a little high. I'm going to take the lower here. Actually, let's just take the lower here. Give us an extra yard because I don't think he's getting any rushing attempts. We're going to take this slip right here. We're going to take this slip. We're going to pair it with the .5 yard you get for Geno Smith. So, actually, you can only take one Geno uh, slip. So, you could take the Geno and then one other giant with it. So, we're going to throw a 50 spot down, but 300 we're going to confirm it. We're going to share our picks with the Discord. Make sure you guys are in the Discord. Free to join, obviously. Link down below. Have a day. Have a day, Discord. Let's just throw it into Fantasy Talk. Fuck it. Boom. Big Dog Chat. Those are for the members. Members only. Run it. All right. Um, well, I believe that will conclude this week's live stream. Every single Monday, we go live recapping the game somewhere between 1 and 2 p.m. Eastern time. Depending on how many coffees I want to have in the morning. You know, I like to relax a little bit before I get on here and yell and black out for a while. Um, so thank you for joining me on this Monday. If you're new here, make sure you subscribe. Turn notifications on because we do go live a lot throughout the week, especially during in-season. We do it way more now than in the summer. So to be notified when we go live, you got to turn the notifications on. But most importantly, become a Big Dog member, bdge.co. You'll get our waiver wire rankings. You'll get our regular rankings for the week for sit-start decisions. You'll get access to our private Q&A Assault, which is a private live stream that I do every Saturday on here answering your questions. And uh, you'll get access to the private Discord, which you just saw me drop into the Big Dog chat. All right. I love you. Drop your underdog slips in the Discord as well. We out of here. Girl. Girl. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.